We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. The first in Knicks history, in NBA history, the first game that the Knicks will play in the NBA's in-season tournaments. Uh, special courts, special jerseys, special everything for this first ever special tournament that the Knicks are going to play. Uh, the HUD down in Milwaukee, a team that is currently 29th in defensive rating. And he's guess who's going to talk more about this team with me in just a second. It's Ty Windish, friend of the pod. The last time he spoke to us, he was days before his wedding. And the Giannis was on a press tour to say that he was potentially going to leave if the Bucks didn't do something. Uh, and then on his honeymoon, the Bucks traded for Dame Lillard. So uh, Ty actually tells me the story of what happened in just a second. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit. Some Knicks-Bucks connections, a couple obvious ones. Dante DiVincenzo, current New York Knick, was a Buck for a long time. I believe he won the title with the Buck, with the Buck, with the Bucks as well. Bobby Portis, former Nick. Also won a title with the Bucks, but Bobby Portis was part of the Julius Randle class of forwards that the Knicks signed in the 2019 offseason. Uh, the Bucks also have Robin Lopez, Brooke Lopez's brother, who is also a former New York Nick. And then, of course, probably the most famous New York Nick or former New York Nick that's on the Bucks right now, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, the brother of Giannis Antetokounmpo, is also uh, on the Bucks at the moment. So there's really no Bucks Knicks history. There's exactly one playoff series that these two teams have played against each other and Willis Reed kind of dominated a rookie Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the 1970 NBA playoffs uh, in route to a 4-1 to series win in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's really it. Maybe these, these teams were very close to being in the playoffs exactly one year ago, but the Bucks, the one seed, got upset by the Miami Heat, the eight seed. We talked to Tie about that in just a little bit. Um, I know there's a lot of worries in Knicks land at the moment. Hopefully, after talking to another team that's off to a rocky start, it will calm some of those nerves. Let's get into it. My conversation with Ty Windish of the Eurostep podcast, previewing the Knicks matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks. Enjoy. Ty, welcome back. 
Thanks for having me back. I figured when we booked this, I'd be more excited to talk about Bucks basketball. But hey, here I am, still very excited about the uh, the in season tournament. But now, just nervous. You know, there's only four seeding games. We need the Bucks to get off on the right foot here, which they have not done in half of their games so far this season. Brother, you think you have had a bad time watching basketball? <laughs> I have a basketball team whose best player, I don't even know what Julius Randle is at this point, uh, is off to a horrendous start. Uh, yeah. shooting under 30% from the field. I, that's uh, been a great formula for Bucks opponents so far. Atlanta so far. was doomed. They're hot now. Toronto was doomed. I think they're probably going to rip off 10 straight wins based on what I saw. So okay. I, I think we have a, a stoppable force meeting a movable object uh, well, in New York this Friday. Maybe that's the formula. Maybe that was the medicine the Knicks needed to go into Milwaukee, a team that every Knicks fan is afraid of. And this two and five start that's staring them in the, in the face. The Knicks are two and three to start. They'll play Milwaukee on Friday and then they their schedule lightens up and they play James Harden and the new look Clippers on Monday. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. But I want to I want to wait. We got to we'll talk about basketball in just a second because your team had a busy offseason. And more specifically, you had a busy offseason. <laughs> so the last time you were here, you were gracious enough to join us because Giannis was on a press tour uh, basically saying, I'll leave if they don't do something. And you came on our show because he mentioned the Knicks. And of course, the Knicks are mentioned in every single star that is potentially going to leave their team. And you came on, you, you talked about the potential of like what might happen. And you thought he would stay, but you were open to the conversation that he could leave if something doesn't happen. Then you were getting married days later. And then yeah. something happened that... I mean, our listeners know this, you know this as well. I got married this summer too. And my biggest fear was that the Knicks were going to do something either the night of my wedding or on my honeymoon. And my biggest fear happened on your honeymoon when the New York and the Milwaukee Bucks traded for Dame Lillard. So if you could tell the Knicks film school audience, your experience, what, what, what it was like when I don't even know where you went on your honeymoon, New England. So you went, so you what? you were even in the States for it, but you were on your honeymoon and then suddenly the alert goes off that the bucks get Dame Lillard. So the funny thing, and this is a true story. um, We rented a car, flew to Boston, then rented a car and hit New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine. Mm -hmm. So the long, one of the longest, probably the longest day of driving we had, uh, we were almost to we're bar, we're going to Bar Harbor in Maine, you know, kind of a cool going to Acadia National Park, all these things. It's great, great trip. Loved it. I am driving the final stretch here to Bar Harbor. Kind of, it's like this long single lane road. We're like in this traffic. It's like kind of narrow. I was like, whatever, almost there. Can't wait to get there. Ready to, you know, from Wisconsin, ready to get there and crack open a beer. To be okay. honest, and my my wife goes, oh, the Bucks traded for Damian Lillard. Not, I think not exactly knowing how important that was. And I immediately, I'm like, no, they didn't. Like that's, that's a Photoshop. They didn't do that. And I'm like having her read off. Like, what's the Twitter at? Is it W0J or is it actually Woj? And then she like looks somewhere else. She's like, no, it really, this news articles, it really happened. And I'm just like screaming. I'm like, no way they did it. I said, I thought they'd try. I didn't think they'd do it. I, I'm having her draft tweets from my account. And then that night, uh, instead of doing a full podcast, cause it was still mid honeymoon, I just recorded like a two minute video full honeymoon mode. Uh, apparently people thought my shorts were a little short. They thought I was showing off a little much thigh. I said, that's how I rock on a honeymoon when it's 70 degrees out. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was very funny how it came together. And 
I'm very glad I have a very understanding, uh, you know, newly new wife who was okay with me spending a bit of time on Twitter that evening uh, during that the honeymoon. Yes, yeah, shout out to Ty's Ty's wife for being understanding. Um, I know for Mrs. Fact, Eurostep is the, uh, the title Eurostep. she's given herself. So, okay, yeah. so shout out to Mrs. Eurostep yeah. for being understanding. I can tell you right now, Mrs. GMAC would not have been as understanding if the Knicks had pulled off some type of deal and we were in Aruba and I'm suddenly producing an emergency live stream. So uh, shout out to to the, the partners in crime that we have in this content. But for, I, for like two minutes, I was like, do I try and join the pod on my phone yeah. on the iPad? I had, and I was like, no, no, there's got to be a line. So, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this later. And I'm glad I made that decision. I'm glad that someone else has also gone through the experience of like when you're the driver of a long road trip. Like when we ever we head out to out east in Long Island where I'm from and I know something might happen that I need to react. The getting your co-pilot to draft a tweet and send it oh, yeah. is is so clutch. And so so shout out, shout out to the wives of all yeah. the, the basketball fans and the husbands of the world that are yeah. co-pilots in all of this. Um, so the Dame Lillard experience so far, uh, the Bucks are two and two. And uh, I, I got to be honest, I'm coming in a little bit blind because the only time that the Bucks have not played and the Knicks have also not played or the Bucks have played and the Knicks haven't is opening night for the Bucks, the Thursday game. And Dame looked amazing. And since then, the Bucks are one and two. And you mentioned some concerns. So what are your biggest concerns so far? And if you can, uh, the follow-up is then going to be, what are Bucks fans' biggest concerns so far through four games? Yeah, I think my biggest concern is the way they've played defensively. Um, I think, you know, we knew Griffin coming from Toronto, Adrian Griffin, the Bucks' new head coach, Dr. Coach Adrian Griffin, uh, Mm -hmm. officially um, wanted to be more aggressive and trap. And they've done that. I think they've I I don't think they need to make as many tweaks as it might seem. I believe technically they're 30th in defense. So they really they gave up big runs. 29th, because last night the Pacers gave up 100,000 points (laughs) to the Boston Celtics. But you're right. They did lose by 50. They did lose by 50. I did see that. Um, Shout out Obi Toppin. Yeah, which is not not great, of course, for a Milwaukee team with, you know, last year's reigning DPOI runner up and Giannis, who's won the award to, to even with some shaky perimeter defense. You know, we think they can be a middling defense and that's OK. They can't be 29th or 30th or anywhere close to that. I think they're just using Brooke the wrong way. I think they've got him too far away from the basket. I, I think they still funny enough, they're still giving up the least shots at the rim, which tells you that something is kind of working, but they're giving up the worst percentage on those shots so like when the cracks are there they're big enough that it's it's kind of a disaster and then i really think the three-point defense they're, they're losing some rotations i also think though teams are getting these hot starts because brooke is trying to trap away from the basket and the help isn't getting under the basket and teams are just scoring at the rim and we all know when a team is scoring kind of with impunity down low, the threes often follow. And I think that's kind of been the case for their three-point defense. I think they they need to be a little better at rotating, but I think it's kind of a cascading effect. And then I'd say Bucks fans' biggest concerns is Dame not being used enough offensively. I think part of this is probably, you know, like we saw how the Philly game ended. You saw that game. Dame mm-hmm. was used enough offensively in that game. I think there's a little bit of trying to ease him in slash spare him for you know what Bucks fans consider the real season that starts in, in late April, but they do need to use it more and they're not utilizing the honest Dame combinations enough. I think part of it is, and I'm, I've been surprised by this. Maybe it's taken them aback too. 
I mean, teams trap games so aggressively, like mm. every time before he even gets going in games, like in a way that I didn't really expect it with Giannis out there. So I think they just need to work on their counters to that. But I think they go away from it, have him off ball a little too much, even though he hasn't had a great start outside of the end to the Philly game. Uh, I think they need to work him and the Giannis actions in more frequently. I think I saw they've done like 40 or, or 20, 20 or 20 to 40 through four games. And I, th- I think it's actually closer to 20 or 30. Uh, I think they should probably be doing that like at least 10 times a game. Uh, and people are, people are really mad that they stagger them. I don't care about that. I think it makes a lot of sense to have a superstar out there for most of the game, but even in the minutes together, they should be running at least 10 actions, not five actions per game. That's interesting that people are mad that they stagger them. I feel like that the common thing when you have two all-star or even all NBA caliber players that com- that fans usually clamor for is why don't we stagger? Why? Well, like Sixers fans used to do this all the time last year where it was yeah. like, why are Harden and Embiid off the floor? This is how other teams are getting back in the game. I think it's more that they want them on the floor to maximize their time together just because I think we're all, we all know you know, at the end of the day, the Dame Giannis stuff being un- totally unguardable is the b- path to a championship now, mm-hmm. realistically. I mean, I still think they can make some defensive adjustments and defend other contenders mildly well, especially I just kind of bake in. They're going to get a defensive wing player at some point because that's what Horse does. Uh, John Horse Bucks GM um, does pretty much every deadline, although some of these kids look intriguing, too. So hopefully maybe one of them could step up and play some more as well. Um, but I think it's more about just not maximizing the day. But but that's my thing. And I agree with you. I would rather stagger them and get used to doing that. I, I think if they play 20 minutes a game together, they can still easily run 10 to 15 Damianis actions in those minutes without a problem. So I I think it's more just better utilizing that time. And I agree. I think I think staggering them is is the way to go to be a more consistent team. But you can tell, I mean, you're really you're pulling in Giannis, who has been in this drop defenses and the Bucks offense for a long time. Dame, who has been you know, whatever on defense and in this very pick and roll centric offense the whole time. And then Griffin who did this weird motion offense thing with Toronto. And of course the aggressive defense. And it's really, it's bringing together three different ideals versus I think most teams have two to worry about at most. I think that's where a lot of this is coming from. I do think they're going to figure it out. Um, you know, Griffin for all the faults that Bucks fans have seen and, and that have been on display fairly. He's not been immalleable. They've run like the four different kinds of coverage. I'd say you're going to see not equally, but we've seen all of them at least a little bit in just four games. So I I do think, you know, there's going to be adjustments. I think they just have to tweak their base a bit, but I like the versatility that we've seen. And I think come playoff time, there's still a good chance that they're better off for dealing with different teams than they were under Bud. So you don't think they're going to finish 29th in defense or 28th sure you're hope going to, to clean in a glass. Okay. Which, I sure hope not. It's a tough part about these four to five game evaluations at the beginning of the year. You don't know how seriously teams took the preseason. Is this first 10 game stretch really more of a preseason? I think that's why the that's the balancing act that at least I'm doing with the, some of the Knicks early struggles that's included with Julius Randle and then the start he's off to. But um I, I mean, I have high projections for the Bucks. I mean, I picked the Celtics to win the, the to be the one seed, but I certainly think it's going to be the Bucks or the Celtics. Which brings me to my next question, because right after uh, the Dame trade happened, uh, the Celtics then made a trade for a former Buck in Drew Holiday. And if I can can ask you about the, the layout of the the Eastern Conference, because like w- the Knicks will get a, a firsthand look at the Bucks, we'll see some of the issues or or strengths that they have on Friday. 
as far as projecting out the rest of the season, um, what were your thoughts when the the Bucks then, or excuse me, the Celtics then trade for Drew Holiday and the potential matchup that could potentially create at the end of the season between you know these two teams that have met in the playoffs recently? Yeah, I I thought the Celtics would go off to a slightly slower start, so that was a an L of a take from me. They've obviously been been blitzing teams. I mean, I think the schedule hasn't been super tough, but still they've they've looked great. So certainly mm-hmm. have to tip that tip the cap there. Um, I still think their biggest regular season challenge will just be health and availability because I think you look at like their bench scoring and really. You know, even including Horford, who is looked at as one of the top six, just not a volume scorer in a lot of these games anymore. Their, their top five has had to carry a lot, which is fine. I mean, their top five is is clearly awesome. It's probably the best of you know any five player groupings you'll see around the NBA, just in terms of the talent from one through five. I, I think I still think the playoffs could get a little interesting, given the way some of those guys have shot, specifically in the playoffs. I mean, the Jays and Drew have not been super effective three-point shooters in in playoff settings. Certainly, Drew hasn't. Um, But right now, I mean, they're just they're a matchup nightmare for teams. They're a problem. So they, with the way the Cavs have started, they probably will, you know, finish first, assuming like the Pistons or whatever aren't actually a a juggernaut (laughs) or you know some of these some of these early season results we've seen around the league so far. Um, I think playoff-wise, though. I, I still like Milwaukee's chances, even though they look like they're a mess right now. I think they do need to solidify another defender in the rotation, whether that can be a Marjon Bochamp or if they have to go get someone. Um, I think either way, one more kind of two, three sort of defender to help with those wings along with, you know, Chris looks a little better. He's still coming along. He's on a minutes restriction um, at the moment, but Crowder's defended well. Of course, you have Giannis. You can put on the perimeter. They did that with Jimmy Butler. It worked really well um, after infamously they didn't in the playoffs last year. So I think we're going to see more of that through the season as well but one more defender you really feel good about just so you can defend i think the bucks celtics matchup is going to come down to you know they need to just be so good offensively and just make the jays settle for like mid-range shots i really and i think they can do it i think they've done it before i mean the fact that that series went seven with no chris middleton tells me they had somebody of course they had the benefit of drew holiday you know in that series and now he's on the other team but i do think that you just need to make those guys kind of shoot over defenders and even if their looks are kind of open if the dame Giannis and then chris spacing off of it actions are just otherworldly on the other end you can live with that i still think that's a solid formula but they are going to have to you know solidify that other defensive player in the rotation and you know, go from 11th to like second in offense and really be completely unguardable when Damon Giannis are out there, which so far has not been the case, but thankfully it's November 2nd. So yes, a reminder to every overreacting basketball fan, it is November 2nd, but there's still like expectations on this season. And it's funny being in the Knicks position or Knicks fans position of, I think the reason the regular season start has been so frustrating is because Deep down, we understand the regular season is what we're here to enjoy, and the playoffs <laughs> have different expectations. Um, you enjoyed the playoffs more than the Bucks did last year. You know, we did. Know. That is very true. <laughs> they made it further than the Bucks last year. Um, however, uh, I, I, other than shout out Bobby Marks, I, I don't think the Knicks will make the finals. I'd love it if they made the finals. Did he say that? He, that's his pick to make the finals. That the Knicks will. <laughs> And God bless him. I welcome on the pod anytime, Bobby Mark. He might have just been doing TV, but I, I recognize the, 
Listen, he's got the take out there, and that, and we're talking hey, about it. It works, hey, you know. It did. It did. Um, point being, though, uh, for a team that has those type of postseason expectations and has for a few years now, um, what? I mean, I've asked this to everybody so far on these pregame pods. What does a disappointing season look like? And obviously not winning the title is a disappointing season. So my question is, what happens if the disappointing season happened? What what happens if they don't win the title, do you think? I mean, I think there's always going to be some role player movement. I think the I think there is a possibility if things go poorly like they've been going. And it, I, I think the the thing for the Bucks, I think they cannot win the title and bring back largely the same team. We've seen them do that before from like 22 to 23. And honestly, even you know pre-Dame trade, I think they were going to do the same thing again. Like I think they felt good about the group with Drew and Grayson, but Dame became you know, clearly available for the cost of one pick, two swaps and drew. And they just kind of felt like they had to do it, which I still think is the right move. We're already seeing some, you know, should they have just kept bud and drew And It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they probably win 60 games or something. Is that, is that the goal? I don't think that's the goal that anyone really cares about, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's about, do they lose because, you know, the Celtics top five are incredible and they all shoot 45% from three and they defend really well and they take down Milwaukee in six or seven, or do they lose because like, you know, there's some clear deficiency, like they still just can't defend at the level they should be able to, even with some clear limitations or the the Dame Giannis pairing is just not being utilized effectively enough. I think there's a lot of pressure on Adrian Griffin, right? Like I think there's, there's one and done potential if this whole season and playoffs, they continue to have these glaring issues and they don't play up to their potential. I mean, there's tremendous amount of pressure on everyone, frankly. I mean, that's that's where you're at when you have Giannis and Dame on the roster and the luxury tax bill is what it is and, and everything else. So I think that's, you know, I don't think it's like, oh, they don't win the finals. So you trade Chris, you trade Brooke automatically. I think it all depends how it happens. Like, I think we all felt bad in 22 when they lost to Boston, but it was kind of like a, they went to the finals, you know, they pushed golden state and didn't have one of our good players due to injury. One of our best players due to injury. Whereas last year is like, okay, things need to change. You can't, you can't lose like that. You just can't. And I'm glad that things changed. And, you know, hopefully we don't have a playoffs like that in Milwaukee for quite some time where it's like, you know, we love bud talked about him being a bucks coach for life after 21 and even 22, but you just can't have that kind of stuff happen. Was that the universal opinion about last year's playoffs that things need to change? The Giannis injury didn't have anything to didn't add any kind of context. I know, Buck was, some, going, I know Buck was going through some personal Bud was going through some that personal too. stuff as well. That too. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, we got some quotes. Bobby Portis and Jay Crowder have been more on the record. And then I think we've heard some kind of other mutterings about just like not enough engagement in the locker room uh, between the coaching staff and the players specifically after Darvin Ham left to coach LA. And I think, mm. I think when you add that in as well as kind of the playoff inflexibility and, and some lack of adjustments and things like that, that's when you really, you just need to, uh, you know, when, and I don't want to say lose the locker room or, you know, I think Bud's going to come back probably a year or so from now and be a great coach for someone. Again, I do think he's a great NBA coach. Um, but I, I think there was just a disconnect and they kind of had lost what they were doing. I think it looked like they were going through the motions in a lot of games last year. And I mean, even those games without Giannis, I mean, if you lose, cause Giannis doesn't play at all. Sure. 
I think he only totally missed like what two games in that series. And it wasn't just that they lost. I mean, they, they got owned. I mean, they got, they got slapped around. You just, you can't have that even without a, I mean, they, you look at 21, they lost Giannis and they came back and rallied and beat the Hawks. Mm. Like it's, this is a team that had too much talent to go out in five in a one eight series, even though, you know, Miami went to the finals, but no one cares. They, they should have at least pushed the series long enough to let Giannis get back. And I, I think after a series like that, it's really hard to keep everything together. You know, Dame famously did it with the Blazers when they got swept by the Pelicans, but there were less expectations, less stakes. And I mean, you could argue it wasn't the right thing to do because they never really accomplished too much after that outside of, you know, going to the conference finals and then getting swept by the Warriors. So, which many have. Yeah, that's happened to a lot of, lot that's of teams, a lot of teams. But, yeah. <laughs> but still, um, man, the, the Miami Heat really did it to everybody. Like questioned <laughs> the, the inner fabric or stability of the, the, everybody's situation. They, they're going to do the same thing. They're, well, that's they're, the crazy they're, they're part. setting it up even better this year. They're going to, Oh, we were horrible for three months and we barely got in. And now you guys suck even worse. That's going to be their line the whole season. What's going to be wild is like, is they're one in four to start the season? They have this weird one point win over Detroit on opening night. And then they've just, they've looked awful through the first four, first five games. And this is all setting up for them to be the 10th seed. They'll sneak in to the play in. They'll be like a 33-win team, and we're just going to be looking up at the end of the season. It's like, how did the Heat win 33 games and win the finals yeah. this, this season? Like that That's going to be the path for them. Um, it's funny. It's the, Knicks are, the Knicks are the only team that lost to the Heat in the playoffs and didn't make like wholesale changes. <laughs> you know, like those, the Celtics obviously redid their roster. The Bucks obviously redid their roster. Um, that's... I guess the Knicks with the, the different expectations they have uh, make changes things a bit. Um, Went out and got Dante. It's a pretty big That's true. Former Buck, Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, he called me a clown on Twitter once. Did he really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I said, he was, I said he was dribbling like Kevin Hart in the All-Star game. He did not care for that <laughs> comment. I asked him to come on the pod. He said he was good. And that <laughs> was that. <laughs> Well, uh, it'll be a bit of a homecoming for Dante DiVincenzo uh, <laughs> on Friday. Uh, speaking of the, the the court, like I don't, I don't even know if this is a topic we should address. Oh boy! Well, just like, are you a fan of the what court the the Bucks are gonna have for the playing tournament, the in season tournament, the look of it? I, I I haven't seen what the Bucks tournament. Bucks court looks like. I know Knicks fans hate the the Knicks one. The Bucks one, I think, is better than a lot because I don't know how they won the lottery. They got they have like the normal hardwood look as the okay. accent color, and then the middle is this pretty garish like green stripe pastel that kind of matches the the um, trim on their city edition jersey. Which I wonder if they're going to wear because they did announce it today. Uh, I would hope they would because otherwise the green won't match the green, which is a little weird, but. Mm. Um, I don't hate the idea. I think they just like over did it poorly, but the idea of trying to make it obvious that you're watching a different game, I think is a good idea, but like the triple trophies kind of like slapped on there and the extreme, I mean like the Pelicans one is an affront to God, like some of the extreme colors used Uh, the next one. I think the colors are good enough that it's not a bottom tier one. I don't like the drop shadow on New York and it's obviously a bit much, but the blue, the blue and orange is so clean that I think it'll probably end up working out. So the court is way too much orange on it. I'm curious what happens when we actually see it, if that changes things. But to your point that you just made about the New York drop shadow for the actual Jersey for the city edition Jersey, 
we have been begging for that uniform color combination with yeah, the, all blue with the black that. stripe down the side. So they just released a video. We're recording this Saturday, uh, Thursday morning. So I love that you pulled Saturday. Not I'll even look, close. I'm looking forward to Saturday. Is what's going on? It's a day off. So I'm looking forward to Saturday. Is what happened there, Ty? Uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that when we actually saw it, they released a promotional video with Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart wearing the uniforms. And it's it looks amazing. Like you don't really notice the drop shadow because you're not paying attention. You just see. That's good. So I'm wondering if that's going to well alleviate some. That's annoyance, all of these. Th- that's know? all this stuff, though. It all looks horrible in the promotional things. And then most of the time, you put it on the players, and it's like, oh yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Like that. I, I wish they would not even unveil like the flat because they all look worse. Like yeah. that. they all look better. On the play, they should always unveil it. I mean, I know it's like leaks usually, not the actual announcement, but they got to make sure that what's getting leaked is like, oh, here's a cool player wearing it. I think it automatically makes it cooler and they just don't look as good flat. So you're close to to my age. So you grew up watching basketball the same time I did. And the Bucks old uniform, the purple with the. Oh, yeah. With the stripe. It's a, the it was a gray stripe or a green stripe down the side. I think green. It was green. Regardless, yeah. like the the purple jerseys that I remember mm-hmm. are iconic. And yeah. like anytime then I also grew up where the home team wore white except for LA and then the road team wore their their colored uniforms and yeah. it's a different era. Do you do you miss that at all the fact that when you're yeah. you're the home whites and the the road uniforms? I do. And I miss those jerseys in particular. And I've apparently, so they did a throwback to them last year. Mm -hmm. And what we've learned is it's like, it has to be a a five-year anniversary for them to do a throwback jersey to a certain year, which seems so weird and arbitrary. Like they already don't have enough good ideas. I don't know why you put that limitation, but my favorite is the, the purple deer head jerseys, which we have not seen for quite a while now. I think Giannis wore them like once. It was like those purple and green ones, but they had like a full deer head brandon jennings wore it once but like ray allen would wear it and i really if they bring those back i have not purchased a jersey in a while we may we may go for a dame soon i find it hard to wear them well i like to put it over a hoodie because i just feel like i don't know i'm not gonna wear a jersey with no undershirt like i'm a i'm grown (laughs) i'm not hooping you know i'm just gonna watch someone else so the t-shirt move is okay but I i prefer the hoodie which works in wisconsin um so i don't buy a ton of jerseys but i probably need a dame and the purple i really want a purple deer head whenever they bring those back i i don't well, so I got to be honest, you, you see the studio I'm recording. I think yeah. the mellow jersey over my right shoulder is the last Knicks jersey that I've bought. I don't know if I need to invest in like a Jalen Brunson or or a Randall or or even an RJ at this point with how he's played so far this season. Um, but I it's been tough for you guys to buy. It jerseys. has been, it's yeah. been a lot easier for but like yeah, you can go press the honest button at any time. And it's like, yeah, it's going to that's going to work well. Well, so, you know, it's the inverse for. Like I, I, I'm sure as a Bucks fan and dealing with the speculation of what Giannis is going to do and the national conversation of his future can be tedious, but like you have the certainty that he's there and he's won something there, so there's at least something to buying a Bucks jersey. Yeah. Uh, with him, the problem with a Knicks jersey. Say you get an Emmanuel Quickly jersey. I have no idea if he's going to be on the team <laughs> next year. <laughs> RJ Barrett. I have no idea if he's going to be on the team next year. So I have Pretty no much idea. Anyone but Brunson, right? It's I literally like Brunson's Brunson. the only guy who's not. Or how about this? Constantly. If you went to Villanova, you could probably still keep. You get your jersey and have some type of security that they're yeah. going to be here. So Josh Hart is good. Get a get a Divincenzo. Get a 
a Ryan Archidiak, you know, just go ahead and get the Mikael Bridges jersey now in a Nick uniform <laughs> and custom you, make it because it's going to happen. Did you hear what I said about their roster building strategy on the chase down? Oh, no. What is it? It's they're just playing hoop grids. It's just it? Nova. Nova on both oh, sides. It's just, no, That's just yeah. the mix. It's just anything Nova. No, no, it's Nova CAA. Is what yeah, Nova CAA. <laughs> Nova hoop CAA. Grids. That's 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 Leon Rose building a roster. Bingo. Bingo. That's what maybe let's see. The, the craziest thing about Julius's start to the season, it's like, listen, you left the family, you know, you're no longer <laughs> part of CAA. You left Nike, like Mr. Skechers out here. And, yeah. you know, this is what the, the start that you're off to. Uh, so two questions. We're way off track, but the, we the, are. Third, the third name on the Skechers release being Terrence Mann still kills me. Like, come on, guys. You couldn't have gotten one more. They're, they're building a brand over there. at Skechers. They, they, they got to start from somewhere, you know. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Two questions before we get out of here. So I've been asking, I've been asking some kind of evergreen question that uh, gives some insight to how the opposing fan base feels uh, in general that only the fan base would feel. And I think I've landed on the Mount Rushmore of rivals is what I want to ask first go around because like the, the Knicks obviously have some rivals that they circle on the calendar every single time that the schedule is released and it's like, oh, I can't wait. And honestly, I think the Cavs have started, for, started to form that relationship with the Knicks after last year's playoffs and obviously the Donovan Mitchell connection. Um, for you personally, who are the four teams that you go right to the schedule every time that it's released every year and it's like, all right, when are they playing this team? So I think Heat and Celtics are the clear top two. Makes and sense. the Celtics one is historic too. Not that you know a lot of Bucks fans currently maybe know or care, but there were some really great Bucks teams in the '80s who got derailed mm-hmm. by the 
by the Sixers and by the Celtics too. Uh, I, by the Celtics, I mean. Um, and then Celtics, the Sixers. Yeah. The Sixers are the third one. That's why I was thinking Sixers. And the same deal. Like Dr. J stopped some some really great Sidney Moncrief teams. And then obviously, I mean, they're they're lesser than those two because they never make it far enough in the playoffs. But they've had some great regular season games, and I think that would be a really fun playoff series that Milwaukee wins. So really open to that actually happening. So then I think you get to an interesting point where. Like the fourth one is probably the toughest. And I'm trying to make sure I'm not just like forgetting someone, but I would imagine it's probably, I mean, like the Nets instantly fell apart. It probably would have been the Nets. No one cares now. No one cares about the Nets ever now. It's just like, they're like a, a scrapyard <laughs> that people want to pick parts off. That's the only reason anyone talks about the Nets. They've had some nice wins this year. They just beat someone last night. I forget who, but no they one beat cares. the heat last night. That's the yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking of scrapyards, um, but, okay. but again, but we already agreed that they're going to be a problem in April if they, if they finish 10 or higher. So it is what it is. With Miami. Mm-hmm. So it's not the Nets. I think you could say the Suns just because of the finals, but their team is so different now. I'm honestly not sure. Otherwise, I think you could just say the Raptors still. And it's funny because like they usually have no stakes, but they always play the Bucks pretty tough most of the time. They defend Giannis well still because their roster is just like so big and athletic. So I'd probably say the Raptors with like the Suns trailing off. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone, but I mean, you look at all of their postseasons have ended with three of those teams and then everyone just hates Philly. So that that's an easy one, man. It might just be a local thing for us here that you don't have a single division rival that te- like that with the teams you They've play been the too most. bad. So that, so like, again, the people Bulls, probably Pacers, there are Bucks fans Pacers, who would probably say bulls. There's Bucks fans okay. who would say bulls just because Chicago and, and Milwaukee or, and, and Wisconsin, I guess are, are big sports rivals and it's fun to beat the bulls. But I mean, outside of the like the honest baby playoff series where he decked Mike Dunleavy. I mean, they're just they haven't met in the playoffs a bunch. Milwaukee beat them, you know, the year they lost to the Celtics. And it was like a fun, chippy series, but sucked. Chris got hurt. That was the biggest takeaway from the series. I guess the the Bulls are the closest, but I mean you look at like the Cavs, you know, just pounded the Bucks the whole LeBron era and it didn't really matter. And you know, if they met in the playoffs now, maybe that would spark up, but they really haven't had a bunch of like important games with those teams. Yeah, Chase Town said the same thing about the Bucks. Like, if yeah. maybe a playoff matchup could inspire that, but like the Knicks were the second on this on their list on uh, Justin's list after wow. after last. Well, so the Warriors end up being one, yeah, because of to. the four years that they spent together. Um, but yeah, the the I guess uh, maybe this is a, also a cross board thing. I promise I'm not going to mention baseball to the KFS <laughs> audience, but. Like because there's like New York Boston exists in multiple sports as a rivalry or New York Miami or New York Philly. Those three teams end up being the Knicks rivals to an extent. And look, the Knicks haven't played the Nets in a playoff series since 2004. And I it, there's still Knicks fans that are like, I can't wait for us to play Brooklyn on the schedule. Yeah. Like, I cannot wait to play them. I, I just it's never been a rivalry for me. I've not met a I said this to Justin. I've never met a Nets fan in real life. Like I, I know a ton on the internet and they're really good people. But man, I it's fascinating to find that the, well, the I think rivalry just it, doesn't exist for you. I think part of it is Wisconsin's like the Minnesota being out of conference for basketball and baseball, I think really hurts building. Cause I think mm-hmm. the Vikings and the bears are the two biggest Packers ones, but you know, the, I think the wolves should move to the central if they had two West teams. I think that, I think that could really get that going. And then the bulls and bucks have just alternated when they've been good so much that 
You know, like they were the Bucks were really bad, like in the Jordan era. The Bulls were pretty bad in the 80s. You know, when D Rose and them were there, the Bucks were really bad. And then the Bulls have been pretty damn bad, you know, in the Giannis era. So it's kind of like they've traded off enough that there hasn't been a ton of like huge games between the two. So maybe they could be up there instead of like Toronto. But I think 2019 and just the regular season stuff, I would give the edge to Toronto personally. Interesting. So last question, and this is when I turn it over to you and ask you, do you have any questions about the Knicks and for, for me and, and what their, their two and three start to the season and how they, how they got there? Any thoughts about the Knicks or questions about the Knicks so far this year? I guess my question about the Knicks is like, are they too dependent on the idea of a star trade or is that just a, an outside media thing. Cause like they have all the contracts that they could do. They've piled up these picks. They haven't really spent them. Their picks aren't that great, but it's like, do they actually need that? Are they actually gearing toward that? Or is that just something we talk about? Because, you know, as you mentioned early in the pod, like, Oh, New York, you bring up the Knicks whenever someone might be available. Like, do they need to swing and pull off an MB trade this year? Or is that just a talking point? Well, so that's the thing. It's, it's which star trade are you, yeah. are you talking about? The, like, like they get mentioned with everybody. Like when Drew Holiday was traded, it, there was articles. Should the Knicks go all in on, or not even all in, but should the Knicks go get Drew Holiday? I think Tibbs would love Drew Holiday. When James Harden was available, should the Knicks go get James Harden? Put pair him with Jalen Brunson in the backcourt. There was a notion like the Dame Hot, the Dame Lillard was available for a little bit. Kristaps Porzingis, what a reunion! <laughs> and I, I think it's obvious Leon Rose is saving. Like he's built a a version of a treasure chest. And while you're right, the protected picks aren't great. Like the Knicks have the bucks protected pick next year. I can't wait for the 27th pick in the draft <laughs> to come our way next year. Um, while recognizing I mean, quickly and Quentin Grimes are 25th. So they can find yeah. value. They're good at drafting when they have draft picks because the Knicks still have all of their own first round picks available. Still a big, still a big chest. Anybody's going to roll the dice on James Dolan picks in the future. That's just the flat out Knicks tax that exists. So they do have a pretty elite trade package for a star if they need to go make it. I just think he's always held out on the right star to go get, which is why I don't think Donovan Mitchell is a Nick right now. I think he recognized the ceiling of that team would not be where it needed to be for the amount of assets he was going to have to give up. Now, as far as the the dependence on eventually needing that star, I've mentioned his name a couple times. When your best player or one of your best players is Julius Randle and he plays like he did last season, there's like a second round of the playoffs or at least a four or five seed ceiling there. And, you know, like the guys made the All-NBA team twice, the All-Star team twice, like and I, th- I thought deserve it both times. Um when he's I want to cut in quickly. I agree. And people people laughed at that. The, I think the first All NBA or whatever. If he only made one the year after, and oh, isn't that silly now? No, it's not. He he was an All NBA player that year. Yeah. I, I think trying to retroactively, like I, I think it's stupid. Like you can say he's inconsistent, sure, but that doesn't take away an All NBA season. I thought he clearly deserved it. So that's where the playoffs can completely retcon everything you remember from the regular season. Like the, the shots that he made last year for them to win games are just completely forgotten because of what he was during the playoffs, disregarding for like how hurt he was in those postseason and in, in the postseason and in those playoff games. However, there is a very clear ceiling when he's your second or first best player. And unless RJ Barrett is taking 
a significant leap, which I'm not going to rule it out, but like he's played really well so far to start the season. And it's a continuation from what he was during the playoffs last year. I just like, he's going to have to get to an all NBA level to then be like, all right, the ceiling still exists. So you wonder if the consistency that comes and in, in having a player that's of the level of a Donovan Mitchell or whomever they're going to potentially get in, in one of these trades would raise that ceiling to make them more consistent. Um, I just, I think they, they're the way that they're built right now is on depth and they're going to see how far it can take them for at least one more season. And if it's a first round exit, if it's the play in, if it's the second round, I believe they're going to make a pretty all in move this off season. And we'll see if that all in player is available uh, when they, when they're ready to make it. Does Carl Towns excite you? Not really. Yeah, I don't think he really does anyone. I just I, think about like him next to Mitch with Brunson handling. I'm like, oh, that's that's fun. Well, so like, not the, sure it's I, fun enough to you, you know, empty. Maybe you don't have to. I, I don't know. Like the ideal version of Towns is at center, though, right? I don't know. I as don't know if it matters. Ball, a small ball five. You you trust him as a four? I guess it depends who you're playing. That's true. Matchups matter. I just yeah. Is it an incorrect take to be, well, okay, this version of Julius Randle, no, but is it an incorrect take to be like, I'd rather have Julius Randle? Like, Probably I think not. You're getting about Probably the same. I, I think, well, I think offensively, the spacing, because I think that's probably their biggest issue offensively is like Randall doesn't like he shoots a bit, but he's not really stretching the floor. And I think, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, Mitch in the dunker spot or pick and roll. And then, you know, Brunson cat, like they'd be a really fun offensive team, but yeah, you do run into like either you're bad at defense with cat at the five or you're, you know, have a big hole on defense with cat at the four. I, I don't know. I think he's going to go somewhere. I think Minnesota is kind of running into a reckoning here. I don't know where though. That's the interesting thing. Uh, the Knicks, I think are our prime suspect. Number one, CAA client, former uh, to Kentucky, uh, used to play for Tibbs has already made some public comments. If he, um, if he enrolls at Nova to get like a, a post grad uh, to like finish a degree, that's how, you know, done. that's it's how, done. you know, yeah, there you go. <laughs> if we hear Carl Towns taking night classes at Villanova, pen it in. So you're going to notice this when they play on Friday, but the Knicks and, and maybe he's, I mean, he started off the season. So hesitant to take threes, but Randall per 36 last year, I think four players averaged more three point attempts. Per wow. game. So the Knicks recognize they need yeah, to, they need to stretch shoot that the out. Ball. Like he needs to be a spacer. So you are correct in that the spacing he would, that a town's for Randall swap would create. I just think I'd run into the same offensive frustrations from, yeah. from Cat. Um, excuse me, defensive frustrations that I do with Randall with Cat. Oh, yeah. Um, that the assets it's going to cost you. I, I'd rather just like you have Randall now. If you can make an all in move that makes you a title contender, if that move exists, the name I was circling for a while was Paul George. That mm. because he's a year away from, from a year away from free agency. Yeah. And like the, the defensive anchor that he would be he could then be your backup for like he alleviates any of the stress that you'd have um in in like oh well we have randall and brunson on the floor at the same time where you're pairing them with paul george and mitchell robinson and like an emmanuel quickly or quentin grimes then that's a little different um i think the clippers have made it clear they want to go all in on this 30 for for this year 
for this year. They, those those guys are extension eligible. They haven't they gotten are. extension. So you don't think you know, Bomber will go into the tax and be like, look at my new building with all these stars. I would expect them to, but I expected the deals to be done already, right? And they're not. And they're extension eligible at any point because they could be hitting free agency this year. Mm-hmm. Um, until I see Paul and Kawhi sign those things, there's, there is a big opportunity for the Clippers to kind of end up with a, a whole different team next year. And I think Harden, they can't extend. Paul, Kawhi and Paul George are expiring. If anyone cares, I think Russ is expiring. It's like, whatever. It's not really the same level at this point, but uh, like they're, they're a fascinating team. Cause you're like, yeah, you'd probably want to lock that in for a couple of years, but they haven't. And I'm just yeah. like, are they going to, are they kind of thinking like maybe we pivot, but then now with this trade, it's like, you can't really. So I imagine that we're going to see those extensions at some point this season, but until we do, it's like, Man, they, they could really walk. And I know Philly has all this cap space. Of course, a team like the Knicks could probably do a sign and trade. But then the Clippers tax situation gets interesting. I don't know. It's messy. Bobby Marks will say how it all works in five months or whatever. But I just think to not take too much time, the Clippers current situation, it makes sense to lock in, but they haven't. And I think that in itself is noteworthy. Interesting. Now, like the trade happened a couple of days ago, so who knows? If, yeah, like, this time they're in, yeah, they're yeah. in the process of it. Um, as as you said earlier, it's November second. Um, yeah, I think the last thing I'll say as far as the Knicks are concerned about like the the defend- potential need for a star one day is there's like this franchise has been starved for homegrown people to root for for a yeah. long time. Like they made the finals in '99. That's the last time the Knicks made the finals, and the only person on that roster that was drafted by the Knicks was Patrick Ewing. And he didn't play in the finals because he got injured in the conference finals. Mm. So there's a there's an attachment to this current Knicks iteration that's like, well, Brunson and Randall are are hired guns, and Josh Hart is like a, a midseason trade that changed the team. Like Mitchell Robinson is a second round pick they turned into an elite offensive rebounder. RJ Barrett finally coming to his own after yeah. struggling as a teenager um, when he first got here, and then through most of his first four years. Um, Emmanuel quickly is a revelation out of the 25th pick in the draft. Um, you know, like Quentin Grimes is a find and has some two way capabilities with a really high ceiling that any team would want. And the I like fact Sims that, too. like Jericho Sims, the third yeah. to last pick in the draft, and maybe your backup center if he can continue to progress as he has so far. And like Deuce McBride was, was taken in the second round, that same Sims draft. And he's a rotation player in the NBA somewhere, especially if he learns to hit a a jump shot with any kind of consistency. So they like, they have all these fun young players that if you're taking out the championship expectations, they're just a fun, entertaining product to root for. It's, this is New York. And this is also like professional sports. You're eventually mm-hmm. going to want to raise a trophy at the end of your season. And I think that's where this is headed. And then maybe we'll, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do some playoff previews sometime. Ty, maybe we'll actually be able to talk about a playoff series. Sure. Sure. Hope, sure. Hope both teams are in the playoffs based on their, their respective yeah, starts. That's true. Maybe it's a playing game that we're looking at. And look, I gotta be honest. I was like expecting after the Knicks went up, 2-1 against the Cavs and they looked very shook last year. I was getting ready to be like, all right, I got to reach out to Ty because the Knicks are going to play the Bucks yeah, in the second so round. And obviously the Bucks and the Miami Heat had had different plans. Uh, but we were this close and maybe we'll get close this season.
Yeah, this is, I learned you just can't do that stuff. I'm never going to try and ahead of time reach out to anyone. I feel like mm. I talked to the chase down guys about, oh yeah, it'll be great. And then look ah, what happened to both go. teams. <laughs> both so teams. now this, this year I'm going to do whoever they are playing in round one when it is final. And then I'm not talking to anyone else from any other team until both all series are over. There you go. I'll text you the morning of game one and then we'll yeah. figure out who's playing who. <laughs> Ty, it's always great to have you on and to talk about what's going on in, uh, in the land of the Bucks. Um, I will ask you a one non-basketball question and it's uh, what was your reaction when you, the Packers former quarterback went out four plays into his new oh, team man. season? Obviously, just, you know how I felt. <laughs> I, it was honestly just like pure disbelief. Like I, I literally was like that that's like not even possible, right? Like that for it to happen like that. But so I'm watching it with this as zero step who is getting into sports, but only through the lens of like off field stuff, which is actually good for the jets. Cause we watched hard knocks. Mm. And when you watch hard knocks for the first time, you just form an attachment. So yeah. she is now rooting for Zach Wilson in all of these games. Mm. And she was like really excited. We tuned into the game together, which is like not, not super common. And then that happens. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm, you know, kind of scrolling Twitter. I'm like, Oh, they think it's his Achilles. He might be like done for the year. She's like, that's not possible. And I was like, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it really is. That's that's uh -huh. sports. And she's like, why do people watch sports? And I was like, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, just I, We do. If I could just say something to Mrs. Eurostep. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's not even just that sports. That's the Jets. Yeah. Like, I was trying to, the to explain the whole Jets thing. She didn't get it. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to explain to someone with no familiarity, but yeah, I was like, this kid's kind of how things go for them. Mm -hmm. 1999, the year after they went to the AFC title game and lost to John Elway, Terrell Davis and the Broncos, right? The 99, both of those, like, like both, all the Broncos have retired and this is the Jets year. Uh, Vinny Testaverde tears his Legend. Achilles in the oh. second quarter and the Jets then go eight and eight. Guess who did the coin toss for the Aaron Rodgers Achilles game? Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde. Wow. Yeah. All the bad well, karma hey, was there. Looks like looks like A Rod's coming back. Zach Wilson's got, found found some A Rod. Do hold on. Does, is that's that what Wisconsin thing? people call him. Yeah, they, A Rod. So that's your A Rod. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. oh my gosh, that's interesting. Well, yeah, we didn't really have to worry about the other one because the Brewers didn't make the playoffs for like 30 years from 82 okay. to 08. So, yeah, it's a, at least a, maybe not everyone. Um, my dad, though, loves the A-Rod name. So that's what that's what I think of a mess. That'll do it. OK, that that's the only baseball I'm talking. I promise, <laughs> Knicks fans. Um, Ty, tell everybody they can find all of your stuff. Um, I don't, I've been all over the place. I don't know if they're going to want to, but gspn.info has links. Uh, we actually have podcasts for all the big three sport teams in Wisconsin. So Bucks, Brewers and Packers, none of them have been all that fun lately, but Hey, we're still doing them. We're still enjoying the, the nitty gritty and social links and everything are in there too, but it's just at Ty Windish on x.com or whatever and, and IG and I think threads too. So, uh, I'm out there, but yeah, it's a lot of hopefully brighter spirits going forward. Although people listening will hope that, you know, I'm sad for at least another two days and then, then maybe I can be happy. I was going to say on behalf of Knicks fans, we wish you the best of luck this season on every game, except for Friday night. Same to you. There Same you to you guys. Ty, always <laughs> great to talk to you, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Once again, a big thank you to Ty for coming on today's pod. You know what to do. The KFS Bump. Subscribe to their channel. Like all their videos. 
comments on their videos that you love Ty on the KFS pod. Uh, say that you can't wait for Giannis to become a Nick. I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm I'm actually really proud that I didn't like bring up any of that. The, the Howard Bucks, Howard Beck side of things that uh, technically still not ruled out. Uh, but yeah, Ty's a good friend. He's also like part of the Blue Wire staff. So as a result, he's part of the Blue Wire family. Uh, he's treated us really well over the years. So shout out to Ty and good luck in every game except this Friday night. That'll do it for me. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. Your last chance, I believe, you can still... Venmo or Zell Jeremy if you'd like to come to our watch party on Friday night in the city it's at 132 West 31st Street um, it, it, again a stone's throw a light jog away from Madison Square Garden around the corner from the MSG Studios uh, it's $20 to get in in advance or it's 25 bucks at the door that covers your food for the night we're all going to be there it's going to be a ton of fun John, I think, is bouncing at halftime to do the post game, but we'll hang out. Those who are still there, we'll hang out afterwards if you want to hang out and watch the the late game, watch some other basketball. We're going to hang out for as much as we can on Friday night. We're going to shut the place down. I'm even going to stay out late. That's probably not true. My wife's going to want to see me at some point, but uh, we'll hang out for as long as we can um, and hope to see as many of you guys there. I'll be back the next time you see me. will be on Monday morning to preview the Knicks matchup against the Los Angeles Clippers. But until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend's Knicks fans. And I will speak with you soon. Peace. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com